0: scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific technological elite. We signed a climate convention on the importance of economic instruments and free markets were included in this mammoth uh, Agenda 21 document and the Rio Declaration. Let me be clear on one fundamental point. Uh, The United States fully intends to be the world's preeminent leader in protecting the global environment. Coming up, Technocracy News. And welcome to Technocracy News and Trends. Patrick Wood here, Editor-in-Chief. Today we're going to talk about one thing and one thing only, and that is the common roots of climate change and COVID-19 hysteria. Last week we made a very important discovery, or at least an important observation, as to where the hysteria is coming from surrounding COVID-19, the coronavirus. And we basically discovered that the common source are the climate change fanatics who have been trying to stampede the world into action to implement the United Nations Sustainable Development Program. It's an amazing story, more of the same. And I published an article yesterday on technocracy news and trends. If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to do so. You might even want to print it in case the internet decides to go down someday. But here's what I wrote, the introduction. People want to know just how bad is the COVID-19 virus? And is fighting it worth the destruction? of the world's economic and financial system while disrupting the lives of hundreds of millions of people. The story behind the story will make it clear that things are seldom as they seem. In short, and when seen through the lens of sustainable development, AKA technocracy, the whole world has just been punked and then panicked into destroying itself over COVID-19. I like that phrase, punked and panicked. That's exactly what's happened. I continue. The culprit, a world class technocrat in Britain, Dr. Neil Ferguson, PhD, is a professor at Imperial College in London that bills itself as a global university. It is thoroughly steeped in sustainable development and more dedicated to social causes than academic achievement. In fact, Imperial is very well known for its alarmist research reports on climate change, carbon reduction, environmental degradation, loss of biodiversity, etc. The problem with the global warming meme is that it is a tired, worn-out racehorse that much of the world simply ignores. Global warming alarmists have tried every trick in the book to stampede the world into sustainable development. They have knowingly falsified climate data, flooded the world with inaccurate academic reports held world meetings like the Paris Accord in France, threatened and bullied the critics, created a global youth movement to shame leaders into action, and so on. All of these strategies have failed to usher in the UN sustainable development, AKA technocracy, and show little promise of success in the future. What the sustainable development crowd needed was to put their non-performing racehorse, global warming, out the pasture, and find a brand new horse that could finally run and win the race on what the U.N. calls deep transformation of the entire global economic system. The new horse is named COVID-19. Different horse, same jockey, same race, same finish line. Subtitle, Imperial College. The president of Imperial College is Professor Alice Guest. She considers the college to be a part of a, quote, new paradigm of the global university, close quote, that promises to be, quote, a contributor to a better future. Gast also notes the three general areas of focus of Imperial are, this is a direct quote, epidemics, shortages of natural resources, and environmental crises. In other words, the environment, natural resources, and epidemics are seen as intertwined and inseparable. The global university is indeed a new paradigm and one that radically transforms the traditional role of education into one of social activism. Success is measured by social impact on society and not according to scholastic achievement. Furthermore, the global university is invariably framed as a champion of the United Nations sustainable development and Imperial is no exception. The head of sustainability at Imperial is Professor Paul Lickus. His webpage states, and I quote, sustainability should run through the whole of college thinking and activity at all levels and across all campuses. A casual examination of the various departments at Imperial confirmed this statement. Sustainability, environmentalism, and climate change themes are seen everywhere. Subtitle, the work begins. Once the release of COVID-19 in Wuhan was recognized as a potential pandemic, academic researcher Dr. Neil Ferguson went to work developing a computer model to track and forecast its rapid spread. At the top of his field, Ferguson is a professor of mathematical biology at Imperial College in London and has had extensive experience in tracking other infectious diseases, such as the swine flu in 2009, dengue fever in 2015, and the Zika virus in 2016. Ferguson is a British epidemiologist and a professor of mathematical biology at Imperial College. According to the World Health Organization, quote, Epidemiology is the study of the distribution and determinants of health-related states or events, including disease, and the application of the study to the control of diseases and other health problems. Various methods can be used to carry out epidemiological investigations. Surveillance and descriptive studies can be used to study distribution. Analytical studies are used to study determinants. With a Master of Arts degree in physics, he received a Doctor of Philosophy degree in theoretical physics. He has no medical or related degree, but rather chose to apply his education to use his mathematical skills by modeling the spread of infectious diseases. In other words, Ferguson is a data-driven technocrat with direct access to policymakers around the world. According to the New York Times, quote, Imperial College has advised the government on its response to previous epidemics, including SARS, avian flu, and swine flu. With ties to the World Health Organization and a team of 50 scientists, led by a prominent epidemiologist, Neil Ferguson, Imperial is treated as a sort of gold standard, its mathematical models feeding directly into government policies. Subtitle, Ferguson's COVID-19 Study. Early on in the COVID-19 outbreak, Ferguson began to advise officials in Britain and the United States on the spread of the infection as well as ways to fight it. Thus, he served both as researcher and policy advisor at the same time. Ferguson's conclusion that COVID-19 would kill as many as 500,000 people in Britain and over 1.1 million in the United States set off a tidal wave of panic that has not subsided. His policy recommendations were just as shocking, namely that societies must be entirely locked down in order to survive. On March 16, 2020, Ferguson finally released his formal report called Impact of Non-Pharmaceutical Interventions to Reduce COVID-19 Mortality and Healthcare Demand. Here are some quick observations from reading this report. And yes, I did read the entire report start to finish. Point one. Well before publishing, he advised policymakers. His modeling study, quote, informed policymaking in the UK and other countries in recent weeks, close quote. Point, comparable to the 1918 Spanish flu, quote, it represents the most serious scene in a respiratory virus since the 1918 H1N1 influenza pandemic. Next point, applied this and previous model, to the U.K. and the United States. Quote, We apply a previously published microsimulation model to two countries, the U.K. and Great Britain especially, and the U.S. Point. There are two possible strategies, mitigation and suppression. Remember those keywords, by the way. Mitigation is not the same as suppression. Next point. Mitigation. This proposed social distancing, home isolation of sick, home quarantines of relatives quote: "We find that optimal mitigation policies combining home isolation of suspected cases, home quarantines of those living in the same household as suspect cases, and social distancing of the elderly, and others at most risk of severe disease, might reduce peak healthcare care demand by two-thirds, and deaths by half. Next point. In spite of reducing deaths by half, the resulting mitigated epidemic would still likely result in hundreds of thousands of deaths and health systems, most notably intensive care units, being overwhelmed many times over. Next point. Thus, he argues that suppression is the only option. Next point. Suppression. Additional measures include... Social distancing of the entire population, home isolation of the infected, household quarantine of family members, school and university closures. Next point long term suppression quote, will need to be maintained until a vaccine becomes available, potentially 18 months or more. These doomsday predictions, based entirely on computer simulations similar to those used in climate studies, were believable enough that national leaders accepted them at face value. Worse, they also accepted Ferguson's policy recommendations, which were then implemented with precise detail. Here are some of the most prescient excerpts from the report's conclusion section. I've listed several here. I'll read through them. On page 14, we read, Our results demonstrate that it will be necessary to layer multiple interventions regardless of whether suppression or mitigation is the overarching policy goal. However, suppression will require the layering of more intensive and more socially disruptive measures than mitigation. The choice of interventions ultimately depends on the relative feasibility of their implementation and their likely effectiveness in different social contexts. Next item, also from page 14, quote, Overall, our results suggest that population-wide social distancing applied to the population as a whole would have the largest impact, and in combination with other interventions, notably home isolation of cases and school and university closure, has the potential to suppress transmission below the threshold of R equals 1 required to rapidly reduce case incidence. A minimum policy for effective suppression is therefore population-wide social distancing combined with home isolation of cases and school and university closure. Page 15. To avoid a rebound in transmission, these policies will need to be maintained until large stocks of vaccine are available to immunize the population, which could be 18 months or more. Also from page 15, technology, such as mobile phone apps that track the individual's interactions with other people in society, might allow such a policy to be more effective and scalable if the associated privacy concerns could be overcome. Well, I'll say they cannot be overcome very easily in America, Dr. Ferguson. From page 16, perhaps our most significant conclusion is that mitigation is unlikely to be feasible without emergency surge capacity limits of the UK and the US healthcare systems being exceeded many times over. In other words, swamped. In the most effective mitigation strategy examined, which leads to a single relatively short epidemic, that is case isolation, household quarantine, and social distancing of the elderly, the surge limits for both general ward and ICU beds would be exceeded by at least eightfold. Under the more optimistic scenario, for critical care requirements that we examine. In addition, even if all patients were able to be treated, we predict that there would still be in the order of 250,000 deaths in Great Britain and 1.1 to 1.2 million in the United States. Well, the mind of a technocrat can be clearly seen in this whole package. All of these draconian measures must be maintained until a vaccine is created, which is at least 18 months. The use of mobile phone apps to track the world's population could be effective if citizens could be railroaded into it. What is not seen, however, is one word about the destruction of the global economic system that would certainly result from these draconian policy measures. By the way, a climate alarmist who articulated the Green New Deal policies also call for radical measures to transform society, and they are likewise silent about the inevitable destructive effects such policies would have on the global economy. Subtitle, Destroy Capitalism and Free Enterprise. Why do technocrats not discuss the destruction of capitalism and free enterprise? Because... That is their exact goal. When Christiana Figueres was head of climate change at the United Nations in 2015, she clearly stated this, quote, This is probably the most difficult task we have ever given ourselves, which is to intentionally transform the economic development model for the first time in human history. This is the first time in the history of mankind that we are setting ourselves the task of intentionally, within a defined period of time, to change the economic development model that has been reigning for at least 150 years since the Industrial Revolution. That will not happen overnight. And it will not happen at a single conference on climate change, be it COP 15, 21, or 40. You choose the number. It just does not occur like that. It's a process because of the depth of the transformation, close quote. People argue with me that this cannot be the goal, that it's just too big to be comprehended. My reply is that if a killer points a gun at you and angrily says he's going to kill you, will you take defensive action or just stand there and let him shoot you? Hardly. Direct threats must be taken seriously, especially when the perpetrator has the means to carry out the threat. In the heat of the Great Depression during the early 1930s, technocrats were certain that capitalism and free enterprise would be dead within months. Their economic replacement system of technocracy would not and could not work unless the existing economic system was completely failed. Unfortunately for them, capitalism recovered and technocracy withered. Today, however... The United Nations is clearly articulating the same premise, and it is at the ready with its resource-based economic system called sustainable development, a.k.a. technocracy. The most clearly articulated example of sustainable development is the Green New Deal as recently unveiled by U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat from New York, and Senator Ed Markey. Democrat from Massachusetts. Subtitle, The World Panics. Thanks to Neil Ferguson and the Imperial College, the entire world has panicked over COVID-19, and worse, leaders have implemented all of their policy recommendations, lock, stock, and barrel. Meanwhile, the entire global media obediently follows behind, fanning the flames of fear into a raging forest fire. As a result, the U.S. economy is in a tailspin, the financial system is on the verge of collapse, stocks have entered a full-blown bear market. Some U.S. Treasury notes are now trading at negative interest rates, and unemployment claims already have soared to 3.3 million last week as businesses shut their doors. Employment experts forecast that over 40 million Americans will have lost their jobs by the end of April. In short, the economy has been dealt a mortal wound. Even if all restrictions were immediately lifted globally, it is highly doubtful that the economy could recover to its former state. Moreover, that doubt is increased for every week that restricted activity continues. In the United States, the primary agent of panic has been the highly esteemed Dr. Anthony Fauci, who also has close ties to the World Health Organization. According to National Review, Fauci hypothesized in late February in the New England Journal of Medicine that the fatality rate of COVID-19 may be, quote, considerably less than 1% because many people who are infected experience either no symptoms or very mild symptoms, and therefore do not report, quote. And yet, the media routinely states that the mortality rate is 3.4% or higher. Dr. Fauci himself continues to claim that COVID-19 is 10 times as bad as the flu, even though his own estimates of 100 to 200,000 deaths compares to the Center for Disease Control's reported deaths during the 2019-2020 to 2020 flu season of between 24,000 and 62,000 deaths. If Fauci's 10 times figure is accurate, then he should be estimating between 240,000 and 620,000 deaths, which he is not. His numbers simply do not add up. Conclusion We're all rightfully saddened for anyone who loses their life to COVID-19, but we're going to be a lot more sorry for having trusted a technocrat to tell us how to deal with the pandemic. The destruction of the economy will result in many more deaths and hardships than COVID-19 could ever imagine. There's much more to be written on the topic. The main point of this article is to establish the panic of 2020 as a technocrat operation so that sustainable development, a.k.a. technocracy, can be quickly moved forward if not completely ushered in. Furthermore, it is a replacement strategy for global warming to induce panic. As stated above, different horse, same jockey, same race, same finish line. And that's the end of the article. I will encourage you again to read the article on the website, and then share it with everyone you know. We're getting shadow banned, you might imagine, by all the social media platforms. This message needs to get out. This is the grandest coup of the last 50 years, and it's happening right under our nose, and very few people realize what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is not real, that people are not dying, and that there isn't already hardship just from the coronavirus itself. That's hardly the point of the article. The point is, whatever the coronavirus is, was, or will be, the technocrats as represented at the United Nations and organizations, educational organizations, such as Imperial College in London, are taking full advantage of the crisis to stimulate panic so that they can slip in their agendas to society and get things moved forward and things passed that would never ever be passed independently without a panic situation like this. This is what's happening today. The American people need to know and understand this. If they had any sense that global warming was a fraud, a hypocritical lie, then they need to see that the very same people are behind the coronavirus panic of 2020. They're implementing the same plans they had in mind before, and they've got governments eating out of their hand. And you will notice across the world, in America too, that as stimulus money is being packaged up to distribute to businesses and organizations and people, et cetera, you will see the calls for spending on green investments to create green jobs. This is the intent, to green the world and to convert it into sustainable development. My friends, many people have contemplated what made America great in the first place. President Trump used that phrase incessantly in his campaign to make America great again. Well, there's two things that made America great. One was its constitution that provided the framework in which we could have a free enterprise economic system that was fair, that was controlled by rule of law and not by anarchy. And this system, which has provided the greatest economic benefit to the most number of people in history, is what's under attack. If we lose this system, we will lose our greatness. In fact, we will lose everything. The technocrats back in the 1930s, stated bluntly that there was no need for private property. All property, they said, would be owned and controlled by them in a trust, so to speak, so that they could scientifically distribute the resources of the world to those approved manufacturers to make things for a population that they would specify the appropriate consumption levels. It was total control from top to bottom. No private property, no ability to pass inheritance to your children, no ability to save money. You would live at the instance of the state. You would work for the benefit of the collective and the state, and you basically would be a slave to the system of scientific dictatorship. This was technocracy. This is the same model that's being perpetrated today under the name of sustainable development. And if you don't believe me, And you don't have to believe me, but I would suggest that you go and read my books on technocracy and find out if this is true or not. My first book, Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, gives all the details on how society is being transformed by technocracy. My second book, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, brings more recent events into view, and gives more concrete examples of what the first book laid out. Between the two, which are relatively short to read, you can get a complete understanding of where technocracy came from, how it was resuscitated, how it was reimplemented, how to recognize it today, and how to know what their agenda is. Right now we see their agenda kill off capitalism and free enterprise and implement sustainable development, which is technocracy. I'm Patrick Wood for Technocracy News and Trends. We'll see you next week.